911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody listening in on the Tactical Living Podcast. My name is Ashley Walton, and I'm here with Miss Jenny Hill. Jenny, how are you? Good morning. Jenny, you and I had connected online, which is just this segue to be able to connect with such a vast amount of people. And the reason that I'm sharing that to begin with is because at the end of this episode, we're also going to share how people are able to use you as a resource and to contact you themselves online. And I don't want to forget that. So I'm pre-framing it that way. And you are a, a retired previous police officer. So if you could just take us through a little bit of your history. Yep, I'm a former police officer, um, not retired. Unfortunately, I was um, actually forced to resign due to mm -hmm. an on-duty injury. Um, I was a police officer up in Maryland and then um, had moved down to be closer to family in Georgia um, where I did sustain an on-duty injury. Um, I um, worked in Georgia for four years, um, was injured in Georgia, um, went through a six-year battle due to that injury, um, a legal battle, in fact, um, uh, dealt with uh, workers' comp, um, EOC, um, had a fight for about six years on that um, injury. Um, thankfully, it ended up with a very positive outcome, and then um, um, eventually uh, did resign in, in 2013, and then ended up kind of where we'll end up talking about where I am now. Cool. Good morning, everybody. Eric, Robert, we are not late. Bob, we are on time. Exactly. Um, whoever said good morning, if you could enable your comments on StreamYard, just go right up to the top and tell it that we can enable so we can see your name. And um, I, I'm just curious, Jenny, what made you decide to get into law enforcement in the first place? Um, my story is kind of uh, a lot of people have a hard time believing it, but um, I had um, originally from Georgia, I should preface that because people wonder how I, I went up the whole East Coast and back, um, had moved to Maryland um, back in 2001, um, had worked in the banking industry and had actually been held up in a bank robbery. And um, the way I had um, handled the bank robbery um, when the FBI, who had responded at the time and the local police department, um, had actually joked around and said uh, the way I'd handled that robbery, I should probably come on with the police department. And so I did. And that's how I got into policing uh, to begin with. So and I loved it. I still love it. I miss it every day. Wow. Did you ever have any family in law enforcement at all? Um, I actually, a couple years ago, did the DNA um, history search and found out a great, great grandfather was chief of police down in Florida. But that was it. I mean, I was one of the first. Most of my family are teachers and, and lawyers. And I kind of um, stepped away from it and said I wanted to do something different. Wow. So what did your family think when you got into law enforcement? Um, they, you know, they've tried to be supportive. Um, and they know I miss it still. And I, you know, have said I, I want to go back into it and to some capacity. Um, uh, you know, the whole time I was in it, they, you know, were worried because it's, you know, I mean, you put your life on the line every day. And obviously I ended up getting injured. So that, you know, I, I you know, they worried, especially my parents. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you can just take us through where you were in your career when you were injured and um, I'll, I'll just give you the mic and just take us through the story of what happened. Um, well, I actually, um, it was, I had received a call for an open door burglar alarm and um, had, was clearing the house with my beat partner. And I actually fell on some stairs and um, had a gun in one hand, was trying to keep myself from falling down the stairs, ended up tearing my uh, left shoulder, um, sustained a pretty bad head injury. Um, ended up in the hospital for almost two weeks, um, <clears throat> was temporary, temporarily paralyzed on the right side, um, <clears throat> had to relearn to move my um, right arm and um, leg, um, had short-term memory for about six months, um, had to go through, um, you know, just all kinds of rehab, so to speak, just to have to uh, relearn to walk mm -hmm. and talk and um, all kinds of doctors, uh, you name it. I had, you know, six, six different doctors um, wanting, a, you know, to get back on the road, essentially. Um, MRIs, x-rays, the whole gamut. <clears throat> it took me about six and a half months to go back to light duty status. And then <clears throat> at about 11 months, my department decided you're not back on the road. So <clears throat> you're, uh, you were either going to take a forced demotion or you have to resign. That's, that was the options I was given. Um, so I took the forced, um, demotion at that time because I mean, at the time I was single and I just didn't know what else to do. My whole life and career was policing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then essentially for the next year, um, I continued to work at the police department under the direction of my attorneys at the time as well. And then um, a year later, um, I ended up resigning. Mm. Jenny, what were some of the struggles that you went through during that process? I, I can't imagine because you're literally protecting and serving your community and showing up to be that, that person to be so selfless. And then, I mean, and this is just my words, not yours, but it almost seems like they turned their, their back on you. So what was that process like? That's exactly what happened. Um, I loved my community. I still do. Um, and you think this, you know, any department that you work for, you're serving, protecting, you're representing. In fact, the year prior, my department had essentially sent me to DC for police week um, to represent them. Um, we had lost a police officer with our department that year. And so um, I went with a group from our department um, to help, you know, welcome them to DC and so forth for police week. Um, and then of course I was injured and it literally was a stab in the back, um, you know, out there wearing the uniform, wearing the badge, the badge that said, you know, their department name and, you know, wore it proudly. And to this day, I will not say I even worked for that department. It's very mm -hmm. difficult for me. Um, never dealt with anxiety, um, never dealt with any type of depression. Um, you know, so dealing with all that emo emotional turmoil on top of it and then feeling abandoned. I mean, that's that's the overall word that, you know, I dealt with. Um, 
and then not having support groups or knowing that there was any type of support group out there. So just dealing with it alone, essentially. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob says, just me being a pest, you're so not a pest. Hi, guys. Um, question, Jenny, how would you describe the agency that you worked for? Um, that's a good question. Um, and I see agencies. The first agency agency I worked for, I was, I mean, I'm still very good friends with um, even the shift and supervisors I worked for. Um, I, I miss that agency greatly. Um, the second agency I worked for, I, I thought, and, and, you know, now working with so many um, officers who have been injured in the line, just as they think, you know, your shift is your, your brothers, your sisters mm -hmm. think, you know, hey, we're this close knit group of, of brotherhood, so to speak. And then you get injured and everybody starts to filter off because they they are afraid of retaliation, which ultimately did happen to me as well. Um, you know, they're afraid of what's going to happen to me if I support this officer. Um, and so then you realize that all these people who were there are all of a sudden disappeared, have all mm. of them disappeared. And you do feel abandoned. And it's very sad. Very sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not supposed to be that way, especially when you're you're conditioned in, in uniform, right? In in unison, I should say. And then right. um, to have right. something like that happen, it's not supposed to be that way. Right. Um, it's the what have you done for us lately mentality. Yes. Good morning, Mr. Chris. So, Jenny, when you were going through that process and, you know, you were on light duty and then being demoted, what was what was that turning point for you to where you decided, you know what, let me just throw in the towel? Uh, it broke up for, what did you say? Well, what was that turning point for you when you decided like, okay, it's time for me to step away? Um, it was really, really hard. I think, you know, there's a huge difference from retire, just retiring because, you know, you've got that clock, you know, and I have so many friends who have have retired and they're like the clock's ticking i'm counting down my days and this is an exciting phase you know i can go on to my next adventure the world is truly my oyster you know it's really there's so many things to do but when you're injured in the line or you know even someone who's sadly terminated um or forced resignation due to an injury um it's taken away from you so you mm -hmm. don't have that option of leaving you're just you're gone um and so for me it was just we're taking this away from you something i love something i love to give i loved my community but now it was fighting you know the agency i was with so here I, my whole career i loved you know doing was taken away but now i had this huge fight and battle which i should never have had you know they should have had my back for this injury it's not like I, you know, had gone home and was out goofing off or, you know, doing something and was injured. I got injured doing what I love doing, representing the department I was working for. Yeah. It was a struggle. Uh, um, I work for a smaller agency and that's a big thing for me as well. I don't think we have the proper resources for counseling or anything like that, but being a smaller agency, it feels like we're more like a family and I'm just not a number. And I think that a lot of people probably feel that way and having something like this happen and then turn turn out the way that it did, it's it just blows my mind. Um, or fired for doing your job. Yes, exactly. Brotherhood within one's own department 
to me seems to be a myth that's completely different with or from other departments. My own department has all but forgotten me in three years. Other departments Mm -hmm. still call me chief. That's not uncommon, Robert. Yeah. And and I mean, we hear that a lot with people who have retired, right? That's like the, the biggest fear. And we'll get into everything with the wounded blue, but I know that's one of their, their coin terms is like not forgotten. So, um, Jenny, when, once you did, you were forced to leave and, and you did go home. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the struggles were when you no longer were able to show up at the police department? So <clears throat> obviously there were a couple of years in between leaving the department. And then of course, you know, becoming a part of the wound to blue for me. Um, I mean, there was just dealing with the anxiety. What do I do now? Um, the anxiety of all these, you know, that facade of thinking I had all these friends who were going to have my back and then they disappeared. Now, great. Mm-hmm. I still do have some friends and I call them my silent friends because, you know, I didn't want the department to retaliate against them. Um, and they always said, I'll have your back, but I have to be careful as well, which is so sad, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they knowingly couldn't take a stance, um, you know, and I'm a firm believer that if you can't stand for anything, you'll fall for, you know, anything. And that's true. But in this situation, it, it's almost true, too, that you can't take a stand. And, yeah. and that's trouble. I mean, it's sad. It's, pol- it's politics. And I, I really hate politics, um, you know. And so for the next couple of years, I really sort of had this inner battle of what do I do? You know, I know I'm going to come through it. It's like, you know, you it's the rainbow after the storm. You have to get through the storm to find the rainbow. I'm a firm believer that, you know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle, but he promises he's going to walk through that storm with us. And I kept trying to to hold on to that faith. And there were times that I really wondered, you know, is is this accurate? Is this true? But I kept seeing that promise to be be there. And so my faith actually grew stronger. Um, You know, there was a time where I got very angry. You know, why is this happening to me? Because Mm -hmm. as an officer, for me, the community was everything. I loved my community. I loved what I did. I saw so many politics and I saw so much within the department that I just, you know, was like, you know, it's almost you can do so much in the in the community, but some of the stuff and, you know, and I think that's all across the country. I don't want to say anything negative. about. I mean, I think every every business, so to speak, every agency has its faults, um, but it has some goodness, too. So I don't want to, you know, just poo poo <laughs> department, so to speak. But I also saw a lot of the negative because of what I went through. Um so I guess I'll just leave it at that. Um, but just having to work through a lot of the anger, um, you know, and for somebody to say, you know, I'm not angry or bitter, you know, that's, that's, I call bullshit on that, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's a phase that you've got to go through. And ultimately you really have to grieve the process. I mean, it really is like a death. And I had to essentially find closure in that. I had to find, you know, how to grieve the death of my career with that department um, and come through that and realize I had people who had my six, but it wasn't 
those people that I thought that I had, you know, camaraderie mm-hmm. with or brotherhood with, but it was a whole new group of people that I have become so close with. And, you know, I have a newfound love for that, for the brotherhood and, you know, it's these injured officers and, I, you know, I just, you know, I have come to love them and, you know, people like you that I've met, you know, because of Facebook and I love and hate Facebook, but, you know, I love Facebook because of the people I've come to meet. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that says so much right there. Um, I'm just wondering, Jenny, when you were going through that process and you said that you had to grieve the loss of being able to work within that department, what helped you through that process? I had actually, um, in the beginning, I'd actually really gotten mad at God. I mean, a little bit about, you know, growing up process. I grew up overseas. Um, my parents were missionaries. My dad was a pastor. So that's a little bit of my background, but I grew up in the Dominican Republic Had lived a little, uh, a year in Haiti, a year in Mexico. So I grew up all over, um, but spent most of my years in the Dominican. So really my family was very much about giving to the community. I mean, that's how I was raised. Um, and very much have spent my whole life doing that. And, um, of course, when this happened, it was just like, you know, going through the anger phase, feeling like I was stabbed in the back. And I just really got angry at God and said, you know, screw you. Like I have given my whole life at giving to others, you know, putting my life literally on the line. And this is, this is what I'm going to go through. And it really, I mean, like I said, I went through six years of a legal battle and it, it took me about three years of literally getting knocked on my knees and, um, really testing my faith. And for me, it doesn't, I mean, it's not like this for everybody and I'm not going to get churchy here because I don't, this is not something I don't, I don't preach at people. When I talk to people, I don't say you need to turn to God. You know, that's not my form at all. For me, it, I had to get to that point. And for me, um, what helped me see a new light, I had to get back in church for me. And so what kind of was a turn for me is, is getting back into church and just mm-hmm. restoring and renewing the faith that, that I have always had. Um, and so um, just getting my, my life realigned um, and, you know, realizing, you know, I've got to work through that anger, getting back into counseling because, you know, I've been through two police academies and not harping on academies, you know, you need that to get in the field, but it's almost like we're trained to kind of filter those emotions. Mm -hmm. You You suck it up, you get out there, you know, you get back on the horse and you ride it. And so I had filtered a lot of those emotions and realized I needed to address them. And so, you know, the anger, the depression. um, And so um, just kind of getting everything in alignment. And so for me, it was getting back into church, addressing some of the stuff that I had just kind of packed down. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it, it's great that you're able to find that alignment. Um, Chris says it's up to us to ensure that the code is kept. Absolutely. Bob says, other than this group, I don't do much with Facebook anymore. Me either, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely can relate with the love hate yeah. with Facebook and social media in a whole. Yes, there's nothing wrong with your faith being very personal. Absolutely. And I, I know that it took six years of this battle after having this traumatic incident happen to you <laughs> and then everything that followed politically with the aftermath of it. And I, I can't imagine what it would be like to have those six years of having to carry that because, you know, you had your spirituality and you were able to grow and, and heal in that way. However, there's still this, this heavy weight until all of that was finally done. And I know we lightly touched on that last night, but can you just tell us what it was like for that process to finally be behind you? Yeah, I, it really built um, and help me to see, um, I, I think sometimes in darkness, it's really hard to see really how strong you are, but you really have a strength that's there. I believe everybody does. Um, and for me, it was just seeing how resilient, um, how much perseverance um, that I personally, you know, that I had, that I, I didn't realize that was there and just how much strength and ultimately kind of crossing over this bridge and getting to the point of peace. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it took a while to get there. You know, um, I know some people can get there quickly. Um, for me, it was just a process and, and I'm very grateful for where it has brought me. Um, you know, there was a big picture in all this. Um, at times it was really hard to see, but I truly am so grateful for where it has brought me, um, to the point I'm at. Yeah. I'm guessing this is Brian. Um, if it is, go ahead and enable your your comments on StreamYard. But he says, I have been through two police academies as well, two different states, Ohio and Pennsylvania. It was difficult and my faith was a plus. Absolutely. Yeah, Jenny, can you walk us through how you even came into contact with the Wounded Blue and what you're doing with them now? Um, sure. So, um, I mean, um, so two and a half years ago, um, obviously several police groups, we had started um, mentioning several injured officers just about how we needed to form a group of, you know, knit officers who have been through the process, feeling abandoned and alone. And Lieutenant Randy Sutton, who is awesome, um, said he had had, has had this vision for years of forming a group um, just to come together to, you know, have a mission to reach out as a peer support team um, to injured officers to make sure, you know, that they feel like they are not abandoned and alone, never forgotten, never alone. And so he ended up um, reaching out to some of us um, and formed our peer support team um, that uh, was created in 2018. And we launched last year at Police Week. And now we have a second peer support team um, that was created and trained last um, August. And um, we are just rocking and rolling. And, um, you know, anyone who has been injured can reach, you know, can reach out to us. We are re uh, ready at the helm to help. Um, we also um, work in alignment with Serve and Protect and can get anyone in with a therapist who can help you know, counsel as well, um, very big on um, EMDR therapy and um, other forms of therapy 
it's, I mean, it's imperative, but we are here to walk along with you. We don't want anyone to feel like you are alone in this process. Um, all of us who are on the peer support teams have been there where we felt like we were abandoned, where we feel, you know, have felt like we were alone um, in this. And we, you know, want to make sure that um, everyone knows that they are never forgotten and never alone. Yeah. Good morning, Jim. <clears throat> I'm just wondering, you had made mention that in the beginning when you were at home, you did start to feel alone. So what would it have meant for you to have a system in place like the Wounded Blue back then had it been available to you? I feel like it would have helped me through the process so much quicker instead of trying to feel like, what do I need do now? You know, I mean, it took several months for me to you know, find a therapist and figure out who would be the best fit. You know, we try to find those who need therapy, try to find um, one who is vetted, um, who has worked with law enforcement officers, because I mean, let's face it, not every therapist understands what we've been through, what we've seen. Um, you know, we help spouses um, because obviously you, you guys have, you know, you see your husband's wives come home and you hear the stories. And I mean, obviously it affects you as well. And so what we try to do is, um, you know, find a good fit for you of people who have understand what you've been through as well. And so, you know, trying to find someone who understands what we've been through, what we've seen and not just someone who wants to, you know, sit on the couch and let you talk and, you know, say, okay, suck it up, you know, get over it. Now you can move on. And that's not what we want to hear. You know, when you've held a baby who is, you know, been suffocated by her mother, you know, or, you know, that kind of thing, it's not the same. So. Yeah. If, if somebody is listening to this, Jenny, um, I know you made mention like for, for wounded officers, is it only for wounded officers or are there any other crisis avenues that people are able to contact the wounded blue for? It is for wounded police officers. Okay. And how are they able to contact you if maybe you might be able to provide some support for them? Um, they can contact us through um, our Facebook page, uh, The Wounded Blue. They can contact us through www.thewoundedblue.org. We also have a Twitter page um, and an Instagram page as well, The Wounded Blue. Perfect. And I know there's an event in October coming up. Can you talk a little bit about it? There is. We're super excited about it. It's the Brothers in Blue Bash event in Las Vegas. Um, we only have 800 spots and many are sold. They're going very, very fast. Um, so anyone who's interested in it, um, you can reach out to us um, on our Facebook page. Um, we have the... Um, the Brothers in Blue bash event, or you can reach out directly to the uh, Wounded Blue um, page for tickets. Um, like I said, they're selling really quick, and I know you guys are coming. We um, got a whole table. table, so that's exciting. I look forward to meeting you in person. It's going to be so much fun. It's October seventeenth, so get on. Yeah. That. We are super excited too. Can you talk a little bit about what the event is and what people might expect? Yeah. So it's a fundraiser to help um, raise money for the Wounded Blue. <clears throat> um, our ultimate mission and goal is to be able to help um, support. Right now, we are supporting 
our um, injured officers with walking along with them, being able to provide uh, peer support and counseling to our injured officers. But our um, ultimate goal is to be able to um, support financially where we can. Hmm. Um, so we will be doing uh, multiple fundraising events in the future, but this is our, our first big one. Um, and so we need all the support we can get. So and you know we will anyone, be there. Yep. Awesome. And if you know anyone who's wanting to um, help support us um, financially or, you know, sponsors or anyone who wants to help, um, you know, provide, um, you know, sponsor gifts and so forth, they can reach out to us as well. Beautiful. Yes, Brian, we can see your name. Now. <laughs> Jenny, um, before we wrap this up, if somebody wants to contact you directly, is that OK? And if it is, how oh, can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. They can reach me at Jenny Hill. I'm on Facebook. So you can friend request me. I love new friends. Facebook. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for sharing time and space with us and for sharing your story. It's, it's so nice to get to know you and to see what you're doing in order to still help only in a completely different way with your brothers and sisters who, who need it so much because there, there is such a lack of help out there. And I, I love what you're doing and the work that you're doing. You're, you're super inspiring. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much, Ashley. Have a good day. You too. Bye.